because you can be in a fallow season and still create amazing art. You can be in a fallow season and still still be marketing and still be actively building your business or whatever it is that you're working on. But there's different emotional experience going on than when you're like, yeah, I'm really, I really got this. I'm on fire. It's the Inspiration Place podcast with artist Miriam Shulman. Welcome to the Inspiration Place podcast, an art world insider podcast for artists by an artist, where each week we go behind the scenes to uncover the perspiration and inspiration behind the art. And now, your host, Miriam Shulman. Well, hello, Passion Maker. This is Miriam Schulman, your curator of inspiration, and you're listening to episode number 190 of the Inspiration Place podcast. I'm so grateful that you're here. Today, we're talking all about seasons of creativity, as well as the seasons in your business. Now, if you're looking to grow your creative business, I'd love to invite you to apply for a spot inside my mastermind. I have two tracks of the Artist Incubator program, and the Mastermind track is reserved for artists who are already making sales from their art and have a website. To apply and see if you qualify, go to shulmanart.com forward slash biz, as in the letter B-I-Z. I also have a second track in the Incubator And that's actually open for artists of all levels. If you've been disappointed with your art sales or feeling stuck in your marketing, I can help you with that. To learn more, go to shulmanart.com forward slash biz. Again, shulmanart.com forward slash B-I-Z. And now on with the show. Today's guest is the creator of the empathy marketing ecosystem. She's a quiz funnel strategist, growth consultant, and coach that's obsessed with psychology, interactive marketing, and getting brag-worthy results for her students and clients. She believes boring is the enemy, neutral is a death sentence, and real talk is the way of the future. In her spare time, you can find her hanging with her three kiddos, learning how to homestead, or binge-watching Chef's Table. Please welcome to the Inspiration Place, Shanti Zach. Well, hello, Shanti, and welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. All right. So let's talk first about those three kiddos, because Mother's Day is coming up really soon. Anyone who hasn't bought their (laughs) mother, mother in their life, something. A something, something. Right? How, some so how old? Are, some beautiful art. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how, what I'm looking forward to. How many? Ki- how many kids do you have? No, I mean, how old are they? We already said three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have a one-year-old. Just turned Ooh, one. So you're just getting started. Well, kind of. I had a bit of a gap because I have an eight-year-old as well, and then his sister is two and a half. Oh, okay, but that's not a huge so, gap. My yeah, my brother is ten years younger than me. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's good. It puts things in perspective. You don't realize when you have your first baby, how fast it really does go, even though that's the cliche everyone tells you. But I get it. I'm like, okay, this little baby 
you will not be a baby for long. So I'm just soaking it up. Well, the years go by quickly. It's the hours that seem to drag. <laughs> like, what's going yeah. on here? Yeah, right. Or like last night, the 2 a.m. wake up and then the 5 a.m. wake up, and you're like, come on, figure the sleep thing out. So, how are you able to balance? your career and, and motherhood in, in this season of your life, since you have, you have two young kids, three, oh three, actually they're all young to me. I mean, my, my baby's 21. Yeah. I feel, I feel really grateful that I was able to retire my hubs pretty early on. I think my son was three when that happened. And then he took over, he took over most of the parenting during the day, at least. So that helps immensely because otherwise it would be really quite difficult. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when, when my babies, my kids were that age, I was just knee deep in diapers and nursing. And that, I really had put yeah. my, my, myself got put on pause. And then it wasn't until my young, my oldest was I want to say five, that suddenly I found pockets of time that I really wanted to create in and that it wasn't going to be all about other people. Yeah. Yeah. Five is the magic age. Yeah. Well, there, there are some other magic ages that are not so magical either. Like you, when, when my son turned 15, I thought I was going back to breastfeeding. I was like, oh my God, oh. I can't let you out of my sight. So you know, like, what happened to what happened that. to toilet training? That was so much easier than what's <laughs> right. happening right now. Okay. Yeah. So you I know like to talk about um so we're talking about like seasons of being a mother and seasons of your career. And and you like to talk about seasons of creativity as well. Is that right? Is that the way you would put it, Tanti? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there are seasons in all aspects of our lives, including our businesses, including our creative endeavors. All right. So how would you define, um, or do you define certain, do you have like a definitions of like, it's this or that? How, how do you define yeah. different, the different seasons? Yeah. Well, I'll walk you through them because it's not like a spring, summer, fall, winter type framework. Okay. Of course, there are probably listeners from all over the world where you don't always have winter necessarily right right but there's there still is a universal universal framework when it comes to, of creativity and you know the first is the fertile season the sorry the fallow season okay and the fallow season is like really a period where you're in this discovery phase there's a lot of stillness there's a lot of soul searching and shadow stuff coming up where you might not actually feel creative. Mm. You might feel like you are an empty void and you will never create anything good ever again. And there can be this sort of despair that yeah. comes. And I that. just finished talking about that with the guest from last week. So Carla Seinheim, we were discussing really the effect the pandemic has had on a lot of us create a lot of, you know, different, whether it's entrepreneurship or creativity is all these things that we use to as coping mechanisms or to fuel our creativity. And suddenly that's taken away. 
and you're mm-hmm. still outputting things if you're in business for yourself, but you're not inputting anything. And that has really taken a toll on a lot of people's creativity. You felt the same same way, Shanti? Yeah, totally. And I've been there so many times where there's just this sort of hopelessness that it feels like it's never going to go away, but it's transient. And if we allow it, it can actually, there are a lot of gifts within the fallow season, even if it doesn't feel that way. So the question in that season, because sometimes you have to keep on keeping on Mm -hmm. like over the last two years, for example, so many of us would have been really convenient if we could have just paused. And for most people, that's not the reality. And you just had two babies during this entire, did you have both babies during the pandemic? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Right. The sleep deprivation, the well, all you know, it's almost like good to like put them both at the same time. Like, let's just get that all over with. You know, I can't <laughs> yeah. do anything anyway. So let's just have a couple yeah. kids. Exactly. I know it worked out. It worked out, but it wasn't without its moments of like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to actually do or create anything meaningful ever again. And that like existential crisis yes. is so it's so confronting. It is. And there's also the question that a lot of artists ask themselves is like, what does it even mean? Like, what, what, why am I even doing this? So when you start to ask each other those questions, you know, you're in trouble. You know, it's not that you're in trouble. We yeah. all ask these questions. So I'm not yeah. making a judgment. We all ask ourselves and I've had those moments. I'm never going to paint anything good again. I, I have. And mm-hmm. of course it's a lie. It's not true. But it's a thought I have that comes up sometimes. Right. And I think that's totally normal, but it's not often talked about. You're right. It's not. We don't don't often talk about it. I think the people who talk about it are the beginners who just feel they're comfortable talking about it because it feels like that's more real to them than not real. And so for Mm -hmm. those of us who've made a career of it, and then we still have those feelings sometimes, they still pop up. Yeah, it's interesting when you've done if you've maybe launched a collection that was really successful and the high dissipates and you're back to creation mode again and it's like, "Oh, can I ever create something that will live up to that? Can I experiment with new techniques and methods? Will that be successful?" So there's a lot more question marks when you've actually already done something and done it well, and it was well-received. And now it's time to do something new. It's like JK Rowling when she published a book under a pseudonym because she didn't want to put live up to her own name. Yes. You know, she put out that casual vacancy under a pseudonym. I think now it is under JK Rowling because they needed to sell more books. But, you know, she didn't want to put put it with her name in the beginning. Not because she was ashamed of it, but she just, I think she didn't want the pressure of it living up to Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do if you can't just do your name, right? Right. Well, she <laughs> changed it for the first for she changed it for the first one too. I mean, JK Rowling, I think that's that was awesome. Yeah. A pen name. It wasn't really I Yeah. Think, right? right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I forget the story behind that. If she if she didn't want to, people to know that she was a woman or something. I, I think bias. that was it. It's kind of like the, uh, and some, there are other female authors throughout the 
throughout time who have done things like that, who is either published under a masculine pen name or something that kind of hid their, hit their gender. Yeah. Yeah. So this pressure in the fallow season and when you have to keep going, how do you do that? So do you suggest people keep going or do you suggest a pause? Well, if you can pause, that's a beautiful thing and coast when you can. But if you can't, and that's the reality, that's okay too, because you can be in a fallow season and still create amazing art. You can be in a fallow season and still still be marketing and still be actively building your business or whatever it is that you're working on. But there's different emotional experience going on than when you're like, yeah, I'm really, I really got this. I'm on fire, right? It's a different emotional experience. And and I think you have to look at it through the lens of how can I give myself some grace in this season? How can I let it be easier? Like it doesn't have to be a huge struggle. That can be a choice. So what does that look like in say, marketing and still continuing to sell your art? Well, to me, it would be, all right, what aspects of marketing feel easy to me? What do I enjoy? And what can I do without overthinking it, without it feeling like too much effort and then doing those things and everything else, that massive list of all the things you want to do and create someday like giving yourself permission to put those things to the side. Yeah. I also um, encourage artists in my program when they go, when they put out a big collection and they need to, to pause, it's more like, okay, well now when you were, you were in the creative mode of creating whatever kind of art they are, fiber artist, painter, whatever it is. Um, and you were putting more of your energy there. Well, maybe now it's time to like switch it to your marketing. So you're not, it's a different mm-hmm. kind of output. But the other thing is, if you look at, let's say, there's a lot of different analogies I can go, but like race car drivers, for example, they stop. And it's not that the car, the race car can't keep going around the track, but they know when they stop and they do all those things they do. I'm not not really a big race car driver fan, but they do, (laughs) you know, the things that I've seen them do when I have watched, you know, Will Ferrell, you know pretend to be mm-hmm. a race car driver. Um, you know, they do those things. Uh, the, car, the reason they stop is because they can go faster. So they win races by stopping, which says yeah. to us that we need to stop sometimes too to make sure we refuel. And there's lots of analogies, like there's the Stephen Covey, um, sharpen your saw. You know, you can't keep sawing at the tree. You have to stop and sharpen the saw. You can't say, I don't have time to stop because you can't keep, cutting a tree down with a dull blade. Right. right, exactly. So how can it be easier? Like maybe for an artist that looks like selling prints instead of continuing to create original artwork. For me in my business, it looks like, okay, this like launch model of pushing really hard, putting something new out into the world, being in like total full-on visibility mode. That when I had a newborn baby and a little toddler wasn't feasible. So my way of making that easier on myself is to put my program on Evergreen 
and for it to be running in the background instead of the big push. So it's really an individually unique solution, but the solution is is always there. So after the fallow season, what is the next season? And are these seasons, do they always run in the same cycle or do people, they're not necessarily in the same order? Yeah, they're not necessarily in the same order, but I would say most commonly, the place that you get to after a fallow season is the fertile season. So this is like a place of new beginnings and new perspective that you most likely gained from that fallow period where you get to experiment and play around and and see what happens. And there's no solidity in that in terms of what's going to come out of it. So it can feel a bit like, you know, you're taking the leap and just hoping you land on the other side. But there's so I feel like most of the amazing art and beauty that's been created in this world has been created in this, in this fertile place of moving through the the dark shadowy experience of not feeling creative, not feeling like you'll ever do anything meaningful again. And then finally you've got new, you've got some energy mm. and inspiration. Mm. And so that's, that's a fun place to be, but there's a lot of uncertainty as well. Okay. So, and how many seasons are there? There's, so we have fallow, fertile, and then how many more? I'm assuming there's a harvest. Yeah, the final one is is flourish because I'm a fan of alliteration, but essentially it's the harvest season. Got it. Okay, tell us what happens then. Well, that's like you are reaping the rewards of all the work that you've done in the fallow and the fertile season. You're seeing how when you creations out into the world, how they're being received. And and you you're really like harvesting the bounty. This is a place of allowing yourself to fully receive, which can be extremely difficult for so many, any givers who are listening, but you've done the work. And this is where you probably are looking at things from more of a visibility perspective. How can I reach more people? How can I share these creations with the world? And move through the mindset stuff that comes up when you go to do that. Okay. So what goes comes to my mind, since we started off this conversation talking about motherhood, and mothers are the ultimate givers. I mean, we even like, we give over our whole body for these creation of human beings. And, and some of that doesn't end <laughs> when the baby's born, you know, especially if you're nursing. So mm-hmm. for, especially for us women who are expected to give, and now in our businesses, we need to allow receiving. What tips do you have for, and not just for women, but for people who are are having trouble receiving the abundance or they're blocking it? What, what would you suggest, where do you suggest they start? Well, I'm kind of weird. I like to look at random magazines and catalogs for like super, super high end furniture or even art or like just things that you know, I was looking at a magazine, I found this chair that just looks kind of like a regular chair. And and the chair was listed 
at like $30,000 for this chair. And you're like, okay, this chair would not be in this magazine if there were not people paying $30,000 for the chair. It's so funny you brought that up because this past week, this Tuesday, that's exactly what I told one of my clients to do who was having trouble raising her prices. I said, I mean, because she had trouble thinking about someone paying more than $1,000 for a painting. And I said, they're paying like $20,000 for the couch. <laughs> You've got, I mean, not at right. West Elm, but go on first yeah. dibs. Or where where did you find a $30,000 chair? Where was that? It, it might have actually been like a Wired magazine where they have like like a product roundup. Yeah. So just a random like, but there's so many, right? It's everywhere. There are exactly like you said, couches that people would gladly pay $80,000 for. Right. And it's like the 12,000, it's not even like so outrageous. Like that's where this is pretty much even West Elm, like you go for the nicest fabric and maybe a little bigger and whatever you're talking about $12,000 couch. So somebody who's buying a $12,000 couch, they don't put a $300 painting over a $12,000 couch. Yeah, exactly. It's a story, right? Money is a story. Everyone has a different story around it. Value is a story. The story that you are telling yourself is based on your experiences. Right. And the story that that we spend money on as artists or whatever it is you value in your life that maybe other people won't, like people who maybe only buy organic fruit you know, and other people wouldn't spend that extra money. Uh, But when you're talking about like these high-end furniture and stuff, if you look at the price of rugs and people are walking on them, they're stepping (laughs) on it and they're spending thousands of dollars on it. Yeah. It's not going to last. It's thousands of dollars and there's dogs all over it. Exactly. I think that's a powerful practice and surrounding yourself with examples of, you know, people pricing, whether it's their art or something else at a level where you're like, I can't even fathom that. And yet you have the evidence right in front of you. Yes. So it's happening. You, it can happen for you too. And it's really shifting into a mindset of like, well, why not me? I'll play this game too, right? You've worked your whole life to build your skill set and charging accordingly is a practice. Yeah, what I hear from people in my in my community and my audience and I'm sure you heard the same thing kinds of things is they're afraid if they raise their prices they're excluding people. But what they don't see is if they don't raise their prices they're still excluding people. Like mm-hmm. I just said those that person who buys a $12,000 couch will not look at art below a certain price. Mm-hmm. So you are excluding actually your most, your best customers possibly who have the yeah. money to buy your art because you are trying to price to people who may not even value it. And that's why they're not willing to pay so much for it. Yeah, exactly. And you can't be all the things for all the people, right? Especially as an artist, your time is finite. So if you can make a really wonderful living and then ask the question of, 
how can I take this, you know, money in the bank and help the people I want to help? And then you can do so from a place of a bit more expansion. But Mm. when you're just getting started, it's like, how do you justify that? Mm. So do you have another suggestion other than looking at like high-end stores that you use or advise people you work with to expand their abundance mindset? Yeah. I mean, working on the story that you have Mm. around money. I think it's Kate Northrup's book, like money, a love story. And it's sort of about that, but really it can be as simple as asking yourself the question, what do I believe? What do I believe about money? Where did those beliefs come from? Like for me growing up, I always saw my dad who was a business owner correlating money with stress. So that affiliation is like neurologically embedded in my brain. And I have to constantly untangle that idea that abundance and and lots of money has to equate to lots of stress and lots of really, really hard work. And it doesn't like I see examples of that constantly in my peers and the people in my life. So I think that twofold approach can make a big, big difference. Yeah. A lot of times it's when I'm working with my clients, it's about pointing out to them where they may have social and cultural programming. So we talked earlier about, you know, women being givers but also women, people of color, it's not always safe to play as big of a game as you need to, to succeed. And they're keeping themselves small on purpose without even realizing it. Because uh, they're having thoughts that they're perceiving as, no, this is the way it is, rather than, no, this, right. is, this is what you think because you've been taught to think that those thoughts are optional. So really helping them unravel that programming. So Shanti, I know you have a quiz called The Unfair Advantage. The name is awesome, by the way. If I, I'm a quiz junkie. If I take that quiz, what will I find out about myself? I mean, you'll find out what your star power is. And what is a star what, power? Wait, we didn't well, talk what, about this. <laughs> <laughs> what, are, what are your strengths that in the marketing world or in the online business world or even in the art world can help you to communicate the value you you bring to the table. Okay, so that sounds like a quiz that we all need to take and I think you told me it's shantizack.com forward slash unfair advantage and what are the possible outcomes is there like a certain number of outcomes that could have that you get from that quiz yeah yeah oh my gosh i should pull them up well i get the rule breaker that's mine and what are the other ones i'm a rule breaker too but i i, pro- I might be something else go go through the list of the <laughs> oh, different yeah. outcomes oh yeah there's the specialist okay that's not so me this is this person is an expert in a super specialized field delivers a very bespoke blend of skills and and just is like super niche typically 
Then there's the one track mind. And this is really the person who's like, just so committed to making big things happen, figuring stuff out. They're gritty and they're willing to do the work to refine their skill set, get really good at what they need to learn in order to be successful. And they've got that resilience. And then there's the enchanter. And this person is like really quite charismatic and has a big heart and isn't afraid to use their voice. They're kind of the natural marketer. It comes easily. Mm. Being on camera, not a problem. Uh, and then there's the teacher and teachers are really all about, and that could be synonymous with the giver, right? Like being generous, helping others, building community and giving people a safe space to, to be themselves and to feel seen and heard. All right. So we had rule breaker, specialist. One track mind. One track mind, enchanter and teacher. I'm yeah. trying to guess which one I'm going to be. I don't know yet. <laughs> I will take the quiz. And when this goes live, I will be posting it on social. If you take the quiz, make sure that you tag Shanti on social media because she can't wait to see what you got. So um, Shanti, what is your Instagram handle since most of the artists here are on Instagram? Yeah, it's just at Shanti Zach. Okay. So, and it's C H A. N-T-I-Z as in zebra, A-K. Okay. All right, everybody. Don't forget, if you like this episode, you have to check out the Artist Incubator. It's for artists who want to learn how to improve their marketing so that they go from so-so sales to sold out. To learn more, go to shulmanart.com forward slash biz. That's shulmanart.com forward slash letter B, letter I, letter Z. Uh, Shanti, do you have any last words for our listeners before we call this podcast complete? I would say whatever season you are in, you're, you're in the right place. Roll with it and know that change is the only constant. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for being with me here today. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. Thanks for being here. I'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Stay inspired. Thank you for listening to the Inspiration Place podcast. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash shulmanart, on Instagram at shulmanart, and of course, on shulmanart.com.